Welcome to another edition of Faith Fire Media. I am so glad you are with us again. I am Frank Mickens, and listen, we're going to get into the word quickly today. I want to be a good steward of your time. This is a ministry of Faith Fire Worldwide Revival Ministries, and our mission is to fan the flame of revival around the world. And what I'm learning is that looks increasingly more and more like dying to this world. Amen. We're going to talk about this uh, topic, the circumcision. This is part two, and uh, this is a continuation from our last teaching. But before we get into it, let's pray. Let's talk to the Father. Daddy God, we honor you. We praise you. We delight in you. We seek you. We ask for you. We draw near to you. Hallelujah. And you promise you'll draw near to us. You are the keeper and the producer of truth. You publish the truth. You maintain the truth. You steward the truth. You distribute the truth. You make promises in your truth. And Lord, we just want to stay in the truth so that we can receive you. To be in the truth is to be in you. Hide us in yourself. I pray for your heart today. Take control of my mouth and my mind as you minister to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. You can learn more about Faith Fire Worldwide Revival Ministries at faithfireworldwide.com. That's also where you can sign up for our email newsletter. You can also sign up for text alerts to learn about when we're going to be on with our podcast or when we're going to have gatherings. We have worship gatherings and we have outreaches where we're carrying the gospel into the community. If you want to be more informed about that, you can sign up for our email newsletter on Faith Fire Worldwide. Com or send us a text alert, Faith Fire, one word, to 55498. Faith Fire to 55498. Listen, just want to tell you that this word, it's a challenging word because it really is holding our feet to the fire, so to speak. Are we walking with the Lord? And uh, I don't have time to go into the first edition of this teaching, the circumcision part one, but it really began with Jeremiah chapter nine and verse 25, where the word of the Lord is, and I'll read it, Jeremiah nine and verse 25. And the Lord says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised with the circumcised. And then he goes on to say in verse 26, for all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart, uncircumcised in heart. The Lord is going to be bringing consequences to the issues of our soul where we have not given ourselves over to worshiping the Lord in every place of our lives. So where we've put politics, where we've put religion, where we've put our family, our friends, our habits, our addictions above God, he's going to be bringing consequences. And we already see those, but the shaking God has been bringing is to awaken us to the areas where he's calling us to repentance. He wants you to live in righteousness. He wants you to live in the truth, in blessing. He doesn't want you bound. He wants you free. And so that's on the individual level. Each one of us, he wants to give us his experience, his love, his perfect love. And then there's the outward impact of this. We are salt and light. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We are the circumcision. So to talk about the circumcision is not just to talk about how God is shaking this earth, bringing consequences to weed out the chaff in the church. He's also doing this not just to bless us and bring us into right relationship. He's also doing it so that as we come into right relationship, we expose the love of God because we are fully or more fully 
experiencing and expressing the love of God. He wants his glory revealed in all of the earth. And it already is, but it also is being revealed. This is this weird dichotomy where the glory of the Lord is in the earth everywhere, even in creation, but he wants us to be aware of it. And so he's revealing, illuminating his glory as he brings the body of Christ into unity and into purity. Amen. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter eight. And I just want to expose this to you so that you may pray, because this is the state of the body of Christ. This is what the Lord has brought me to, and he's talking about worship. So we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. We know these things. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. The days are coming, and now is. The days coming, and now is, where they that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those were the words of Jesus Christ. So Frank, where are you going with this? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 8, and I'm going to read a couple of verses. And this is where the prophet is taken into the temple. And this temple is not just the temple that was built on the mount in Jerusalem, okay? This is your, your body. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus went into the temple and flipped tables and said, this is a house of prayer, you've made it a den of thieves. He was also showing what he wants to do in your soul. He wants to flip over all the idols in your life and trash them and replace them with his light and his love. And so... Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 8, and we're going to go to verse 9. No, let's start at verse 7. And this is where he's talking to the prophet. And then the prophet writes in verse 7, So he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. So he's seeing and being exposed to something that is meant to be hidden. Verse 8, Then he said to me, Son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. And so there's a lot of things that are happening in the body of Christ. The Lord sees that we don't see, but he sees it all. And if we dig into what's going on in the spirit, he will expose these things. And this is the calling of a prophet to see what others don't see. And the door represents a gateway, something that allows things in and out. And so the Lord wants us to see the gates and the state of the gates in the body of Christ, in our souls individually, where are your gates, are they opening up to the wrong thing? And as a body, the soul of the body of Christ, the church, what is the gate or what are the gates of the church open up to? Now watch this in verse nine. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. Verse 10, so I went in and saw and there every sort of creeping thing, abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around on the war, on the walls. This is the state of the body of Christ. Now, listen, I'm not here to accuse the church or criticize the church. Jesus loves his church. He cherishes his church. He nourishes her and cherishes her. He doesn't hate his own body. But he wants to bring, bring us to purity. He wants us to be removed from idols. The Bible says, keep yourselves from idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Because idolatry pollutes your relationship. So idolatry pollutes your relationship with God and also pollutes the body of Christ and it pollutes our expression of Christ and he wants his glory to be revealed. So this is an hour where the shaking going on around us is is a purposed to weed out or expose those things about our our ministry to the Lord that are polluted. So the creeping things you know, those are like the bugs, right? The little pests. He talked about beasts. Some of these things are, are, are grander in scope. 
and they have more impact and more, they're more destructive. These things were abominations, meaning God hates them. They are abominable, meaning that he rejects them. He spews them out of his mouth. And these things were on the walls. They were depicted on the walls. They had been placed on the walls by the priests, by the leaders. And so the people of God, as they're coming to the temple in this state of the worship of God, they're coming to a place that has been polluted, and so they're not getting true worship. They're not receiving true worship, and they're not presenting true worship because things are in the way. Frank, what are you getting at? When, it when we talk about uh, circumcision, God uses circumcision as a sign of your relationship with him. You're letting him into the most vulnerable places of your life. You're giving him access, and you're causing him access to cut away that which has covered the parts of you you don't want anyone to see, the parts of you that hurt the most, and you're trusting him to do those things so that he can heal you and make you new, removing that which is not necessary. So this is a sign. And to go deeper, we're going to Philippians chapter three. The body of Christ is the circumcision in the church or in the world. And God wants us to show the world his heart as the circumcision. We are not to be covered up. We are not to be untouched in areas. We are to be vulnerable to the Lord. The Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. That is how we're to be before the Lord, naked and unashamed. Everything's before you, Lord. Not because he doesn't see it, but because we want him to see everything. We're agreeing with him. And so we're Ezekiel saw, or, uh, Ezekiel saw through the hole in the wall. They didn't want God to see, but he sees it anyway. And so God is doing this in the church. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help us to understand the time and the season. Philippians chapter 3, let's go to verse 3. And literally it says here in verse 3 of Philippians 3, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So the circumcision takes that part of a man where men want to be in control, men want to be pleasured, and they are submitting that part of them to God as a sign of their submission to him in every part of their lives. And that's how we are to be in the body of Christ. We are to show the world how we are beautifully submitted to God and how we can trust God by faith and God will bless us and heal our wounds. Come on, somebody. But look at the... the uh, the ingredients or the, the evidence of the circumcision that are listed in this verse. This is for the entire body of Christ. The Lord says, and we're getting back to something we already talked about, that we are to worship him in the spirit. I don't worship him from my flesh. I worship him from my spirit, meaning I go into relationship with him. And that's where I worship. I don't just do things right? I do it with his heart. I'm submitting an offering unto him of praise and worship, and it's not polluted. It's a spiritual thing. It's my submission to him in every place that gives him true worship. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. He is our joy. My joy is in Christ, not in my paycheck. Come on. Not in the title that I got from my pastor, not from the degree I got from seminary. I don't get my joy and how many kids I have. Yes, I get joy out of those things. But the true joy in my life, the satisfaction is him. This is a surrendered church. 
And the third evidence of the circumcision is putting no confidence in the flesh, meaning my gifts, my talents, my reputation, my position, my salary. I'm not putting my trust in those things. Those are byproducts of my relationship with Jesus, and I give them back to him. That's the church that he wants us to be in in the world. And right now, we've got too much religion, too much politics. We simply believe in the body of Christ. We truly believe that politics is the answer. And so God is judging that idolatry. That's a creeping thing. In fact, I believe that's a beast in the church. We've allowed politics into the church. It's polluting our worship. It's polluting our discipleship of believers. It's polluting our expression of the love of God into the world. And God is not pleased. He wants us to come to him and worship him in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus alone, not in government, not in republicanism or Democrat, being a Democrat. No, him, 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 him. He's the name above every name. He will be the one that every everyone will confess is God. He is king. Everything is through him and to him and from him. He is the preeminence. Come on. He is the supreme. And God has given him a name above every other name. He is a jealous God. Everything I'm saying is scriptural. Everything I just said came from the written word of God. The word was in the beginning and it was made manifest so that we could come to him. Not so we could build our own temples. Not so we could come to Christ and then say, I'm going to live how I want. See, we've gotten away with that for a long time and the mercy of God has allowed it, but he is a God of righteous justice and he wants to see his people free. He wants you free. We are simply the sign of God's covenant in the earth. So as the circumcision, we need to be continually submitting the parts of us that we want to use for our personal pleasure and give them away. Come on. We are being conformed to the image of Christ. What did Christ do? He turned away the sponge that had hyssop on it so that he wouldn't have any of the pain on the cross diminished. He leaned into the pain to, to feel the, the cost of our sin. He did not take shortcuts. Come on. They didn't have to break his bones because he died on his own. He gave every part of his body away. He took on the most extreme pain. The Bible said he was marred more than any other man. He endured and leaned into and pursued the most extreme pain for you. And he wants you to do the same. He wants you to put everything on the altar and be a burning lamp in the earth. And it'll be a sweet smelling savor to his nostrils. Stay on the altar. Listen, there are things he's asking you to give up and it's okay. Because you're a sign of the covenant. Not only will you learn him. Let's go to Jeremiah 9. Back to Jeremiah 9. So I read 9 and 25 where it talks about he's going to treat the circ uh, circumcised like the uncircumcised. But the, the verse immediately before that shows you why. Because in verse 24 he says, but let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. He wants you to delight in the same things he delights in. He wants you to be so interconnected with him that you are walking with him every single day. And it's a pleasurable thing. It's the, the inhabiting of his praises. It's the interconnecting, interwoven walk with God as you walk in the light and walk by the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit. You're submitted to the Spirit. All of these things create an atmosphere of intimacy that is indescribable. It's a depth that you cannot describe. And it's where the Lord wants you to be because he loves you that much. He wants you to be in his love. 
Keep yourselves in the love of God, says the writer in Jude. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in God, in his love, in his bosom. But if we're to do that, we've got to allow the Lord to circumcise our hearts. He wants you to, to remove the things of this world. What does he say? Do not love the world, because if you love the world, you, you cannot say you love God. That's what John wrote. So we are to worship it in the spirit. We show the world God is our God and we are his people when we live a circumcised life. When we live a life where our heart is continually burning for God and it's on the altar and we're giving him everything we are so that he can make us more like his son a suffering servant. Listen, why is the heart such a big deal? Because the heart is the throne of your soul and God wants to be the king of your soul and a king has to have a throne and he wants to sit on the throne of your soul and things that are inside your temple, in your soul that don't belong, he wants to flip those tables and eject those things, exhume them, expose them and then cast them out with his, his blinding light and set up a lampstand and put a table of showbread in your soul and release incense inside of your soul so that you can be well-pleasing to God. Jesus does that. The Spirit of God does that. But you've got to allow it. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open up the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and dine with him and feast. He feasts on your obedience. He feasts on your submission. He feasts on your love for him. If you love me, obey my commandments. So the love of God and doing what he says are absolutely kismet. They are interwoven. The Bible says that Jesus became obedient unto death, even death of a cross. And then it says, therefore, God has given him a name above every name. It's the obedience that brought him the kingdom. Man. And so when the enemy came to tempt him in the wilderness and says, make this stone bread. Or when he said, cast yourself down from this, this temple and all of these things, Jesus is like, no, I'm going to stay within myself. I'm going to submit to the father. <laughs> I'm circumcised. And he was in the flesh and in his heart. He was circumcised on the eighth day as a Jew. But that was an outward sign of an inner work that he, his heart belonged to the Lord. The part of him that he does have a choice to take control and do it his own way. But he chose not to. He surrendered. Not my will, but your will. Listen to this in Philippians chapter three, further down. So we just talked about in Philippians three, how it says that we are the circumcision. So Paul talked to us. What does being the circumcision look like? He says in verse eight, he says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's an excellence of the knowledge. So you can know God, but then there's another level. And how do you do that? He says, I have suffered the loss of all things. Oh, he had a circumcised heart. And he says, I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. He saw the beauty of Christ more important than anything because the things that are unseen are eternal. He says, I count these things as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. If you say you have faith, that means you are seeking a circumcised heart. You are giving God everything so that he can have you and you can be in him, abiding in him. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say that I may know him. Sounds like Jeremiah 9, 24. 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Listen, there's no power of his resurrection without the fellowship of his sufferings. We, we, we love to rejoice in the, in the resurrection power and all this stuff, but no, we need to rejoice in the beauty of Jesus. Paul writes elsewhere. He says, um, and it's in Galatians chapter six. He says, I only boast in the cross of Jesus. He doesn't boast in the resurrection of Jesus because he knows the secret is to walk with that cross on your back every day. He that loves his life will lose it. And he who loses his life will find it. That's the life of the circumcision. That is the church. We want to convince people through arguments and debates and even reasoning and evidence and all this stuff. And all we need to do is just die to Jesus and people will see our love. They will see that we're not doing this for them. We're doing it for him and that he must be absolutely irresistible for us to put ourselves out there like that for people that we don't even know. We are the circumcision. I invite you to pray this through. God, what are you calling me to surrender in this hour? God, what are you calling me to do for you and you alone that I want to take for my own pleasure, that I want to take control of, that puts me in a vulnerable place, that puts me in a tender place, that I have to show you that I trust you to put the blade there because if you don't cut it just right, I'm going to lose something I hold precious. No, you can trust him with it. You can trust him with it. The number eight represents a new beginning. And so when the, the boy at eight years old was circumcised in Jewish tradition, it was showing that this person's becoming a new creation. There's a new thing God now can do in this person's life because they've submitted to the blade. The thing about that is that person didn't have a choice. That baby, that eight-day-old baby didn't have a choice. They submitted. They were submitted to the knife without choice. And that's really how it is in the kingdom. We've really got to get over this idea that uh, we have all these rights. Listen, when you came to faith, Jesus bought you. He owns you. He owns your body, soul, and spirit. And he wants to navigate your world by giving you his spirit through your continual sacrifice. Because listen, no flesh glories in his presence. We still wear the cost of the fall right here. If you can touch it, that thing is not holy. It's been made holy by the blood of Jesus, but the Bible records that we cannot put confidence in the flesh. We just read that. We put our confidence in Christ. We submit our flesh to him. Listen to this. The, the church is meant to be a sign as a circumcision pointing back to the original promise of the covenant. Listen to this promise in Genesis 17 verse 7. And then we're going to wrap this up. This is his promise. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. This was the reason for circumcision, to show a sign of a covenant relationship with God, that he will bless you generationally for an everlasting covenant. And then he says, also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So when we talk about influencing the culture, God will give us the land if we submit to the covenant of circumcision. He promised it. He says, I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. 
if you submit to spiritual circumcision, not just the outward sign, because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the what? Heart. Let us pray. Lord, I discern your tender, loving kindness. I discern your goodness. I discern your faith. You give us the measure of faith. It's a gift. When we say yes, you give us faith in measures. Not everyone has the same measure. and Not everyone has the same calling, but we're all called to be close to you, to know you. And so some people might make a sacrifice of one level and someone's making a sacrifice at another level. And another person might look at their sacrifice and say, man, that's nothing. That's not the point. Lord, you're looking at our heart. Are we truly allowing you to own us? Do we trust you to be owned? That can be hard because it sounds like slavery and slavery doesn't sound good in our culture. But we are bond servants. You bought us and brought us into a servitude. But you're a good king. You're not a fierce taskmaster. And you know what's best for us to allow you to be in control. Because when we're in control, pride comes before the fall. I pray that we can trust you like we haven't before, to be the one with the knife in your hand, the word of God that cuts between soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I pray we chase after your word and the revelation of your word for each of us individually so that we can look more like you, be more like you, but above it all, God, that we might gain Christ, that we might win Christ and be found in you. You are our desire. That's what revival is. You are revival. This is what I pray for every brother and sister and mother and father and child that hears this message, that they will radically pursue you as the beautiful, glorious son of God, Jesus, who manifested the name of the father and brought us into relationship with our daddy in heaven. We love you, daddy. You ransomed us with his blood your only son. In Jesus' name, amen. On that note, when we talk about the son, the glory of the son is seen in the cross. The Ark of the Covenant is carried on poles that represent the cross. When he was lifted up, he drew all men to him, meaning he draws us by what he did on the cross. He says, as the snake was lifted in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. The snake represents a curse. He took on our curse and was lifted up in the wilderness of our lives, the dry places. And he took our curse and showed his glory, manifested the name of the Father, the love of the Father, by dying and giving his all to his Father who he trusted. He gave his heart to the Father. And in so doing, he gave his heart to us. That's worth giving our hearts for. Amen. Listen, I would invite you to consider uh, sowing into our ministry. If this is good ground in your eyes, you can give at faithfireworldwide.com. Share this message as well. Subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Subscribe if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform. We want to hear from you. We've got some need for volunteers for some community outreach coming up. So if you're in the Greensboro, North Carolina area, we'd love to hear from you. You can sign up for our email newsletter at faithfireworldwide.com. We'd really just love to, to commune with you and fellowship with you in whatever way you see the Lord calling that to happen. I praise God for you, and we'll see you next week. May God bless you.
Thank you.